Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast where we discuss matters of investment interests. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets at Interactive Investor and in this particular episode we're going to be talking about our sister magazine Money Observer which is just coming up to celebrate a very special 40th anniversary. So who better to talk us through where we've been, where we are and where we're going with the magazine than the editor Faith Glasgow and of course her deputy editor Kyle Caldwell. So Faith, how's it been so far? It's been pretty full on. We've been hard at it getting the the celebratory 40th anniversary issue out um, and we've got plenty of other things going on around around it. But it certainly feels like the magazine has seen a, a huge amount of change over 40 years. When the first issue came out, it, it, I mean, it's kind of salutary to think that Mrs Thatcher had just come to power the first woman prime minister but the money observer came out as a as a, a quarterly supplement to the observer in the first place the the lead feature of the very first supplement was all about building society rates and that stayed as a you know one of the key quarterly features for quite some time i think it it became a, a proper standalone title <clears throat> around uh, 1982 and it was actually uh, apart from the very shares oriented um, investors chronicle it was the only other private investor magazine so it played a quite a key role in in that respect for for self-directed investors the guardian bought the observer in uh, 1994 and with it came money observer by 1998 so they were talking about selling the magazine but of course then the dot-com boom came along yeah. and money observer became incredibly lucrative for them yeah. because of both advertising and subscriptions so they hung on to it for another 10 years uh, it was eventually sold to to interactive investor in 2009 um, when i think the guardian was very short of cash I mean, it's worth pointing out that only there's there's only been three editors in the whole of that forty year history. The first founding editor running running a show for about seventeen years, followed by Andrew Pitts, who ran it again for another seventeen years, and uh, and then me. And how long how long have you been doing it so far? About four years. So so in terms of um, kind of broader financial issues, well, I mean, obviously, even over the last 10 years, things have changed. Just looking back at old issues, etc., is anything sort of hitting you between the eyes? Well, I think the, the growth in, in popularity of, of investment trusts has really yep. been very good for, for the magazine, which has long championed investment trusts. We discovered recently that investment trust, the value of money under in under management in investment trusts is now 200 billion and it was only 100 billion at the beginning of 2013 so that is 100% in five years it's, it's pretty Absolutely. massive growth. I think there's been a great deal of, of improvement in the level of transparency in, yep. in fund investment generally you know we've seen the retail distribution review, which really broke apart those very opaque bundled charges that fund investors had to put up with. Um, I mean, it's had it, it's had its own fallout, but I think that transparency is a very good thing. Increased transparency has been a very good thing. And again, the magazine has been has campaigned for that for a long time. So uh, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit at least. <laughs> And uh, in terms of the the magazine itself, you, you've taken this uh, opportunity to uh, have something of a redesign. We did, yes. We um, decided that it was looking a little bit weary, 
Uh, and so we freshened it up last issue. It's looking, I think it's looking a lot smarter, a lot kind of cleaner, more elegant, and hopefully easier to read and a bit more 21st century. Excellent. So Kyle, Faith mentioned that it's going to be, uh, as you'd probably expect, a 40th special anniversary issue. What are some of the highlights? So the October issue is going to be mainly on 40 ways on how to become a better investor. Yeah. And we wanted to ensure that every single one of those 40 different ways are practical pointers so readers could take something from it and apply themselves. And 40 ways, they're split across 33 pages and we've ensured that we've uh, catered for investors of all persuasions. So there's plenty of uh, rules of form and rudiments for investors to digest whether you prefer to buy funds, investment trusts, ETFs or shares directly yourself. Um, on the latter, um, we've got a really good piece by uh, Richard Bedard, uh, who's a private investor who also writes for uh, Interactive Investor. Um, and he names his top three rules for finding good companies are at great prices. For those who've never bought shares before but are tempted by the idea of doing so, I think that article is a really good starting point. I've written an article on um, the 10 golden rules that investors should follow. Just to give you a bit of a flavor, one of the rules is diversify but not too far. And within that, we get across the point that there's no point, there's no point in having five or six UK funds because when you do that, you're essentially tracking the market and that can be achieved a lot cheaper by just going down the, the passive fund route by buying an index fund or an ETF. Another of our golden rules highlights the strength of smaller companies for investors that are prepared to invest for 10 years or more um, because over time these shares do outperform their larger peers. I don't want to give away all 10. Uh, I can see <laughs> can see Faith glaring at me right now. Can I uh, just mention while we're on the subject of the anniversary issue, it's worth giving um, Richard Bedard another, um, another plug because his share sleuth portfolio is by coincidence is 10 years old this issue as well so it's been running for a decade he invested 30,000 quid I mean you know notionally yeah. invested 30,000 quid 10 years ago and it has grown to more than 120,000 pounds so that's over 300% growth sure and we are very proud of that that's also covered in the magazine yeah and during a very emotional decade as well since the financial crisis well yeah. indeed yes Okay, well that's the easy bit, because now we're going to have a think about potentially the next 40 years. Um, and certainly in, in terms of, uh, if it's anything like as eventful as, as those years we've just seen, it's something to, to look forward to. So what sort of themes or changes um, do you both think might happen in the personal finance space or fund management space or just in, uh, in the investing space generally? If I'm to ask you that first, Carl. I think um, passive funds will become even more popular. Um, they've enjoyed a lot of growth over the past decade, but I think in the decades and decades to come, they'll continue to eat market share into the, into the fund management space because, quite frankly, there's, there's a lot of sub, substandard active funds that are out there. This isn't all doom and gloom for active fund managers that are really good at their job and do deliver value and outperformance for investors. I just think that it might mean that the fund managers that are the cream of the crop, they will attract an even bigger investor following than they would have sure. done in the past. And I think that in terms of like investor money, I think it will just keep on becoming even more and more concentrated into these active fund managers that, that, that do have the performance to sort of back up what they're doing. And of course, another outcome of that potentially is 
where the fund management industry currently has a lot of home bias, the economic landscape in terms of the world overall is going to be very different in the next 10 years, alone 40. Mm. It's widely expected within 10 years China will be the economic powerhouse of the world. So obviously that expertise will be required potentially in completely different areas. What about, what about you, Faith? Have you got any um, looking into your crystal ball? Well, I suspect that another big recent growth area will continue to grow and become much more mainstream, and that is ESG investment. I sure. think sustainable investment has, has been proved on, you know, in various studies to deliver superior returns over the long term. It can be a bit more volatile along the way, but my feeling is that, that as companies become find themselves under more pressure to behave themselves yeah. uh, and, and are under more scrutiny from shareholders, hopefully, to behave themselves, that, that, that it becomes quite a benign circle. So the fund managers realise that, that these are preferable companies to invest in because they are more robust. And I think it will become altogether more mainstream. I mean, I wonder if 40 years down the line, the term ESG or sustainable will have kind of become a bit redundant because that'll just be Taking the, way it, yeah. the way it is, yes. Yeah. So I think that that's one kind of trend that I think will continue. I also think that the I mean, related trend towards funds that are on the lookout for opportunities arising from climate change, is go, that's going to... Can, can only go one way, really. Sure. And what about the fact that, um, obviously, in, in terms of the current 20-year-olds, for example, mm. it's very likely that by the time they retire, there's just not going to be a government pension at all. Yeah. Um, which, of course, by, by definition, will increase the importance of saving and investments uh, in particular. Do you, do you think we might be seeing some more help from the government on that front? With the advent of auto-enrolments, re- we've already become more in line with the Australian pension policy. But I think I think there'll be further steps taken to basically to further adopt their policies in terms of the minimum contribution yep. rate in workplace pensions. It's 9.5% minimum from an employee in Australia. Right. Um, it's And it's mandatory, isn't it, I think? Yeah, and, and it's mandatory, as Faith said. So... I think there's loads, various studies have shown that, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, they're simply not saving enough and they're not going to be able to rely on final salary pensions like that, like some of their parents may have been able to. So they need to increasingly take control of their own finances and, and their own retirement destiny. Mm. I think it's very difficult to ask people in their 20s to think 45, 50 years down the line and plan for something that, for all they know, may never happen at all. They may just be working till they drop. One thing I do think would be a good idea, I don't know whether it will be introduced, it seems to me that when people get a pay increase, there should be an automatic increase in the the percentage they contribute to their workplace pension. Sure, and that's um, one of those things that could take an amount of time because if that kind of thing which should happen, did happen, mm. you'd, it would have impacts on all sorts of other government taxes, which would, um, let's not even get, go down the inheritance tax route, but even in terms of income tax, capital gains tax and so on, there, there'd probably have to be some, uh, you know, loosening of the belt by the, by the Treasurer on that front, which is not something they uh, are normally famous for, whoever the, the certain, you know, the parties in question at the moment. Yeah. So in, in terms of, um, I mean, I don't particularly like the phrase, but in terms of the global village, which which we find ourselves in, it's likely ever more to be the case. 
um, and as we prog progress over the next uh, next couple of decades. Is there any other kind of thing? I mean, we, we've spoken about ESG and, and where economic power might shift. Is there, is there anything cultural that, that might, um, you know, just to come into the, the way that people think about investments? The, the Americans, for example, are famous for thinking on a, a quarterly time frame at the moment. The Chinese think in decades, which one can't help thinking in isolation might be a good thing. Good question. I think the long-term outlook is a very good one, and I, you know, I, I wish, I really do wish that the policy in the UK was made with that kind of time frame sure. in mind, particularly for things like social care and pensions, which need it. You know, they need to be. They can't. You can't keep fiddling around with them sure. every three or four years. I think one thing that is likely to gain in importance is the 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 pressure on older generations to to ensure that there is better financial education for younger generations, ideally starting in school, but if not, at least becoming a part of fabric of growing up and, and moving into your 20s and through your 20s. I mean, there are a lot of initiatives that have been very laudably trying to achieve this. Um, Interactive Investor itself um, supported a charity called My Bank, which goes out to schools and, and runs programmes to educate teenagers about how to manage their money. And I think we really can't get enough of this. We, if people knew more about how to look after their finances, they would be so much better able to make provision for the, the long term. I think I can imagine in the years to come there'll be more and more services that are trying to appeal to younger investors and it may be a case that you speak you, you speak into your phone and you you list a list of criteria that you like and dislike to see in a company mm. and then you get given a screen of companies sure. that meet that set of criteria. And in, in fact there is one app at the moment isn't there where you can basically take a photo of a, a brand, whatever it might be and identify the company that that brand represents, such as take a photo, apparently, of a pint of Guinness, and it will come back with Diageo on the screen. So at least you know what, which company to start looking at um, in terms, and, and that's you know that's just in in 2019. Mm. Well, that's been absolutely fascinating. All the best to Money Observer, needless to say, for the next uh, next 40 years. Thanks again to Faith Glasgow editor and Carl Caldwell, the deputy ed editor. And thank you for listening. And do join us next time for another Interactive Investor podcast. Yeah.